1: Welcome to In Discussion, guest today Dr. Susan Anthony, brings to the program an inspiring life's journey, discussing a personal spiritual transformation and pragmatic approach with comment on today's society and critical issues. My guest today illustrates the inspirational lifetime journey of an impoverished beginning, thrust into high society and a resulting fall through which a spiritual awakening and sense of well-being rescued her to a life of sacrifice and personal fulfillment. As the recipient of an honorary doctorate in divinity, Susan Anthony has become a world-recognized spiritual healer, international speaker and author on human evolution and energetic healing modalities. She joins me by telephone today from Glastonbury in the United Kingdom, where forms of sustainability are practised in the southern Mendip Hills of Somerset, England. Dr. Susan Anthony, how are you today?
2: I'm very well, very I, well indeed. And
1: I know that I am talking to you across um, across the pond, uh, and you're yep, lo- located
2: England's
1: holiest land. Oh, in in Somerset, I believe. Is that correct? Yep well you you know that I come from Wiltshire, so i 'm extremely envious and um, and i 'm just thinking of you there in those green fields, which makes me sound so terribly archaic <laughs> <laughs> but anyway uh, welcome welcome to this program it 's a great honor to have you uh, to have you with me today uh, Susie it, it really is I have uh, studied your work. Um, so deeply, and I'm so moved uh, by your journey. W- what I'd like to do is, is uh, given that we're going to have a series of uh, programs over these next months, and the, the listener, uh, listeners out there, should know that we'll probably have seven or seven or eight programs at least here uh, to chart your work uh, in what you're doing as an author, healer. Um, teacher um, is that we're going to take this uh, stage by stage but today generally what we'd like to do is, is uh, take a look at your, your life Susie and, and see where you've been and where you're going if that would be right. comfortable with you
2: Yes,
1: perfect. So um, I'm looking at the moment uh, I- at the beginning of this program at your home in England. Uh, you mm-hmm. you come from Somerset and uh, of course Glastonbury, Glastonbury tours, uh, surrounded by this uh, amazing history. Can you describe uh, where you are living at the moment and describe this this beautiful house that you that you're in and the local community? Yep. Well, it's
2: a 16th century uh, Templar. Manor House, country, manor farmhouse. And we're on seven acres of land with stables, with sheep, horses, dogs, cats, about to be chickens and goats. We grow our own food. We're right next to a National Trust Nature Conservancy. And, of course, we're looking over the seven hills of Avalon and the famous Tor, which was man-made by the Sioux. Sumerians, not many people know but Somerset gets its name from Sumerian settlement.
1: Were, so, were you um, were you born in that area or is this yeah, it,
2: I was. I was actually born a few miles outside Glastonbury and whilst living in California in 2002 I suddenly got the clarion call to come home and complete the circle. So, and it's just steeped in history here. I mean, not many people know, but King Arvirajas in the 1st century AD bestowed 12 hides of 1,440 acres of land upon 12 early Christian missionaries led by Joseph of Arimathea. And this actually lasted up until 1,000 AD. And these people and their descendants were exempt from tax because of their special lineage
1: is it still over there? Bearing in mind that I've lived in the States now for some twenty years, and and clearly I still have family there, and I I get back as uh, quite often. But when you returned from the United States, did you see a change in the culture? Did you see a change in the in the cultural makeup of that country?
2: Yeah, I saw um, a huge gap appearing between the the haves and the have-nots and many many more have mores which was unusual it it had been more balanced but i saw a lot more poverty and despair actually
1: and how does that rank now in today's economy today's world is that uh, very apparent where you live
2: extremely apparent i mean nationwide people are living in fear and you know <sighs> that causes more stress and that causes more disease. So as a healer, I'll never be out of a job. So, but it's interesting to see all kinds of breakdowns and then helping people to engineer breakthroughs, how to make loss an opportunity. Loss is always an opportunity, actually, disguised as loss. So it's, we're living in interesting times as the Chinese curse goes.
1: Now, you are well armed, uh, I'm going to assume here, after your, uh, your pain and your heartache and uh, your challenges. Can we go back to your childhood here, uh, Susie? Could we, we talk about your childhood? Uh, I, know yep. that it, I know that it was impoverished. Can you uh, give me an idea about that period in your life?
2: Well, my father came from a typical sort of Coronation Street type background, that's a popular soap here, where his home comprised two up, two down, uh, kitchen and living room downstairs, bathroom and bedroom upstairs, or sometimes in the back garden. Um, My mother's background was very similar. They both came from very poor, very large families. My dad then became a war hero and... When the war was over, he fell apart. He got lost in addiction to gambling. Um, my mother had wanted to sing in a band and was auditioned once by the great Geraldo, the UK equivalent to Glenn Miller, but was forbidden by her father to do this. So she never really found her bliss. What little money we did have, my father blew it all. And When he ran out of cash, he robbed my piggy bank. And often we didn't have food, we couldn't pay the bills, there were always bailiffs banging on the door to repossess furniture, clothing, cars, eventually our home. And I just learned to live in fear of the knock on the door.
1: Now, your mo- your mother, I know, is still with you, um, yeah. and, and has recently had some illness. What emotions do you, do you have about your father at this stage, l- looking back on your childhood uh, is there anything that strikes you are, are you a well, mode of they forgiveness so
2: caught up in their own fears of poverty of shame of victim consciousness they denied their inner despair by you know smoking too much watching tv falling asleep in the spell of all the do have consumed messages after the war using anything they could to deny their pain denying their feelings for each other and They directed their anger, really, onto their kids. At the same time, they did the best they knew. They really did the best they knew how. And by putting my feet into their shoes and knowing as little as they did, but realizing they did their best, I was able to understand and then find the compassion to forgive
1: it was an amazing generation, uh, clearly, and and back then it was a very it was typically Anglo-Saxon stoic uh, in, in its approach to things, and I'm sure that uh, a lot of uh, men and women came back from that war um, paralysed in in so many ways. Um,
2: totally, and they didn't get trauma uh, counselling in those days. Hmm.
1: So, so you you, you to y- get on
2: with it, and y- be stoic. You're right.
1: So you became. Uh, would I be correct in saying that you became insular, you were in your own world, you you had your own uh, thoughts, dreams uh, that circumvented that situation?
2: Yeah, I mean, what happened for me, I have an elder brother who's 13 years older. He ran away when he was about 19, and he, he became a world-famous record producer, discovering, producing Queen, Genesis, Roxy Music, Ace, Lindisfarne, The Tubes, um, He went on to become a director of A&M Records in the States. And as a kid, I would meet people like Rod Stewart, David Bowie, George Harrison, you name it. So I kind of saw this glamorous, exciting, rich, powerful world. And I adopted the belief at that time, which was quite logical. The more money I can get, the safer I'll be. So that's really what motivated me to follow in my brother's footsteps and carve a niche for myself to be a success or what I felt was a success in material terms.
1: And what was Just, the result of that?
2: I got hopelessly lost <laughs> doing, having, consuming and trying to fill the holes inside me with money and things.
1: Now, when, when was this? Uh, what, what decade was this? The 60s, 70s? Oh, this
2: would have been, I left work and live in South Africa for Tiny Roland um, in 1982 so I worked there for eight years then I worked for the fifth richest man in the world in Japan in the early 90s in the bubble economy there.
1: That must have been a huge paradox to to, <laughs> to travel from where you were as a child and into your teens and then into this amazingly, I'm sure in many ways, uh, false world. Once you were in that position, you're in that complexity. It's fast-paced. It's probably very much based around the emotions of of greed and ego and materialism and idolism. How long did it take you to to get to the point where you realized that that was not you, not your inner soul? Not
2: very long at all, actually. Um... Let me see. On my first day of employment with Takahashi, a fax came through which showed me that one of his business partners had been guaranteeing loans in Australia for hundreds of millions of dollars without Takahashi's knowledge. So immediately I was caught up in a power struggle and not knowing who to tell, who could I trust and keeping silent, and realizing people were ripping him off. and um, But also being afraid of the people who were being dishonest. So I decided to just, um, you know, keep my head down. And, and if I was honest, that's all that mattered. So, but it's the tension of 18-hour days and everybody out for themselves Um, and the politics of the pecking order and everything and being a woman and being a gaijin which means literally barbarian in Japanese it doesn't mean foreigner, it means barbarian it was a very difficult life and I kept calling my brother in America and saying "I, I have to leave, I have to leave and he said, no, 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 this is going to look great on your CV. So I stayed. And I'm glad I did. I'm really glad I did because it, it brought me to my knees to breaking point. And that's when I finally began to grow up in my mid to late 30s and find out that life actually has a higher purpose. It's not just about... The matrix lives we live where we do have consume and don't care and and don't consider the other.
1: Let me intervene there for a minute because I, I find that interesting that essentially you... Were lowered to the depths of despair, uh, as as we call it the hog pen. Um, and, and today, and I'm sure that we're going to discuss this today as much as we are in future programmes. And and certainly other guests are are talking about this. That we are in a in a culture now. We are in a society that where money is our idol, where long hours. Because of technology, technology has actually not exactly benefited us the way that we thought it would. It's actually made our lives much faster and much more demanding. But would you agree that people generally, and certainly a lot of most people in my world, are going into this state, are lowering themselves into such a level where they'll have no other choice but to discover what it is like being on the floor?
2: Yeah i really i i do believe that that you know it happened to me it's happening to our planet in a way in terms of financial crisis and climate crisis we don't tend to wake up if we're happy and everything's hunky-dory but you know there's nothing like a crisis or a war or some great cataclysmic event that brings us to our knees that makes us then begin to go within.
1: In one word, how would you define that chaos today? Oh,
2: um, in one word, God, I, I can't really think of one word. I mean,
1: are you talking? Is it a culmination thing of things, or is it a uh, a culmination of uh, variables that that have come about because of the lust of the sixties? The fear of the 50s, the lust of the 60s, the greed of the 80s and 90s, and now in full circle we're back into this time of fear, uh, which I was interested you say that, that in the UK people are now in fear. Um, is it? Is this a global challenge that is not only affecting us economically, socially, geographically, in every sense of the word, um, but also at the heart of it is an emotional breakdown in who we are as human beings?
2: Absolutely. I mean, to go back to working with Takahashi, he was the fifth richest man on earth. He didn't seem to have an off button. He didn't seem to realize when enough was enough. And I remember 60 Minutes dedicated a whole show to him called Showdown with the Shogun about his rampant property development activities in Australia. Um, he was the single largest foreign investor in that country and in the Pacific Rim generally. But the trouble is he would pushed the price of land so high in all the natural beauty spots and resort areas that ordinary people could no longer afford to buy homes there. And he just didn't seem to be in touch with the consequences of his rampant greed. And in retrospect, I think he was probably mirroring to me my own false assumption, the more money you have, the safer you'll be.
1: Can I, can I suggest that that is probably relevant and prevalent to many business leaders in the corporations even today?
2: Absolutely. Um, I just wonder what drove people to all this madness of spend, spend, spend after the Second World War, the Cold War. It is a great distraction, but at whose expense? Because we've hurt each other, we've hurt ourselves, and we've hurt our world, and and now it's wake-up time.
1: Can we not look back at the immediate post-war years? We can look at the 50s when uh, the, the the great uh, manufacturing engines of the UK and America, uh, you know, the three big motor companies in America and uh, the 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 resources in all these countries that developed this massive free trade market. And then, of course, that magic word consumerism comes in, which probably started as long ago as the 50s. Are we not just a byproduct now of, of what was happening there, only that we have taken it to such extremes that it's more of a way of life? It's actually indented into our, our way of thinking that we must have more, we must have more money, we must be better than the Joneses, and it's become image. And I I'm, could be generally naive with that statement, but I mean, I, I'm, I'm fairly well defining where we are at the moment. Would you agree with that?
2: I would agree with that I mean it's about integrity I remember working with Takahashi I met billionaire Alan Bond and the only advice he could give me was the bigger the lie the more they believe you so lie 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 Um, the interesting thing was when I was interviewed by Takahashi um, he asked me what I knew about Japan and I had to reply very little so Ishizaki, his sidekick, who invented Big Mac economics, by the way, he said, well, I'll tell you about Japan. He said there are 140 million people in Japan and only 3,000 lawyers because we're honest. Whereas he said in the States, there's 140 million lawyers and only 3,000 people. What does that say about our two cultures and where we're headed? And I just was answered glibly, really, at the time. And I said, well, you know, if you have ninjas, you don't need lawyers, do you? And everyone laughed, and I got the job of my dreams, only to find out it was a nightmare and that the selfishness, the greed, the lust, the power, the desire to dominate, um, none of this could fill the holes inside my soul. And I began to die a little bit each day, longing to find a better
1: way. Now, did that come in the form of you personally running? I mean, you were, you were at this stage traveling all, the, all over the world, living a fairly luxurious lifestyle. Um, yeah. did, did you at the same time realize that you were running away at every, every opportunity?
2: No, I didn't. You know, this such is the depth of our denial of our pain. We do such a good job to distract ourselves doing, having, consuming that we don't know that we're in pain. And denial is don't even notice I am lying.
1: Now, um, So how was it for you in your case? When did the, the light go off and, and, and suddenly you sit there and think this is absolutely absurd? Um, this is not how i want to live and this is what i have to do at which stage you are either uh, strong enough and have enough courage to to do it yourself or you have to look to others to help you when when did that happen how well, how acute was the for situation for
2: about a year and i had a a meal with a top major league baseball player an, an american guy who also had his own chat show there and was a singer. And he was like at the pinnacle of his career. And he said to me, God, you know, look at your lifestyle and you've got, you know, just the most amazing job and look at the people you meet. And I was about to say, oh yeah, it's great. And then instead, some kind of witness self told the truth. And I said, yeah, you know, I've got everything I ever wanted, but I'm so unhappy. For some reason, I just found myself telling this man the truth. And he said to me the most profound thing. He said, have you ever considered what you want isn't what you need? And I, I was so shut down and unaware. I said, but want, need, that's the same thing, surely, isn't it? And of course, that, that there lies the, the truth. It isn't the same thing. We're programmed to want and desire things. But these aren't what we need.
1: Who, are we, who do you believe that we are programmed by?
2: Well, the media, corporations, banks, governments even.
1: What amazes me is that here we are into a very, very chronic uh, recession that possibly started suddenly here in this country uh, in 2007. And it, it seems to have degraded and become worse in every sense of the word, in every area of politics, business, culture, uh, social interaction. And yet, we don't seem to learn, do we? It, it, and isn't that the case with history? We, we seem to um, not learn from history, that we don't learn from history. Um,
2: yeah, well, the programming is very, very deep. It may be quite subtle on some levels, but it's very, very deep. And I mean, the debriefing you have to go through to assist someone to um, transcend ego, shadow, persona, behaviors, false beliefs and attitudes is immense. It's truly immense to persuade someone that actually their security isn't in a brick that's in their house their security is in their connection to spirit
1: you you do know that i could say that to a thousand people in los angeles or in scottsdale and you do know that i would be absolutely laughed out of the room i know where you are and i'm in full agreement because i I'm just amazed now at how many people still, after all the problems that we've had and we will continue to have, still praise brick and mortar and cars and iPods and electronics. And and I continually, in my world, I'm continually saying to people, do you know at the end of the day, it does not mean a thing because you cannot take it with you. What it, w- What is important is that you live for the day um, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the most simplest of ways and I can say that to a lot of people and they will they'll, they'll laugh me out, out of the house and say that you're being completely ridiculous so as you say we're, we've been seasoned over the decades
2: yeah but it's quite extraordinary when a war comes along or, or an event like Hurricane Katrina the blessing is people pull together they become less selfish and more selfless, and team spirit seems to rise to the fore. It's just a shame that it has to come, you know, to to such a, a force freak of nature or an act of aggression, one country on another, to bring out our best selves.
1: Well, if if we want to be uh, positive about the way in which we um, change people's ways of thinking and, and there's no doubt about it, they have to start changing extremely quickly at, at street level, at, at community level, in, in respect to everything including sustainability, oceans, economics and our children's futures. Um, to avoid us being shocked into that by some sort of cl- catalytic event like a, a massive earthquake or something else, what is it that people can do now Uh, spiritually that that enforces that they can change their mindset change their lives and live simpler lives on the basis of frugality rather than greed
2: well just detach from what the Hopi Indians call the path of ego which is comfort profit and greed and live the path of the soul which is love strength and balance and you do that by sharing. The time of the lone wolf is over. It's about living in community. And I'm living that better way today. Um, we're virtually self-sufficient here. This means if there is a crisis and the supermarkets run out of food, we've made preparations for this. We, is,
1: that, is that a doomsday scenario, though? I mean, I, I don't know. No,
2: I, just, I think it's about being prepared. Mm. Um, I don't think it's a doomsday scenario, because if you look at the NASA reports on solar flare activity, it's heightening, it's accelerating, it's deepening. And every time there's a, a massive outbreak of solar flares, there are freak weather conditions. And NASA scientists are talking about multiple freak cataclysmic incidents, not just one. And I think if you stick your head in the sand or say oh I'm not going to you know, be a pessimist, I'm just going to hope it's going to be okay, well more fool you.
1: Well the nature of people of course, especially in this country, is that until something actually hits them between the eyes, they're, they're not really going to look at it. They're going to default and hope hope for the best and hope that nothing happens. Yeah. Going back to the early 90s. You're, uh-huh. you're, you're now at rock bottom, you are very ill uh, and you you talk about a hedonistic path and this is, this is clearly after uh, you have had three near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you talk about uh, being visited by angelic guides what was it then that, that stopped you from arrested you from continuing in that lifestyle and taking a, a different road?
2: Oh, my God, wow.
1: Because I ask, I, I ask that question, because, and I think it's valid, because I think that people now would actually fight tooth and nail to take any other road, apart from the one that they're on at the moment, which is a road of leisure pleasure, convenience and materialism. Well I
2: think Carl Jung said that doing the same thing twice over and expecting a a different result is insanity so I knew that if I went back into the big job big lifestyle thing I would I would just get the same result burnout, dissatisfaction and You know, once you connect, once you plug into Source, nothing compares to that all-consuming, all-embracing love. And you can look at the most bleak situation and see, you know, wondrous opportunities for growth, lessons to be learned, character to be built. And there's, you know, when you start to rebuild yourself, and detach from all the negative ego programming, the desires, and just live in the day, live in the moment, not even the day, just the present moment. The the love and the joy that comes from that, when you tune into synchronicities and you're guided just quite by magic to all the right people, places, and things, and abundance, and love. My God, nothing compares to that. However, you do have to take risks and you do have to make sacrifices, which is why this path isn't for everyone.
1: Well, and and I was going to say that that those risks would be possibly insulating half of the people around you, uh, given that they're in a society that, that you cannot work within. So that's a big risk. But now you say that there are some who can live for the day. Who can have a simpler life, who can throw away all the materialistic uh, principles?
2: Definitely. The women who live here, David, have done just that. Like me, they had been taught to avoid intimacy and pain, pursue pleasure, and resist change. We've all been influenced to avoid conscious awareness of. The lie, the matrix, by being pressured, bombarded with ads to do, have, consume, fit in, conform. We've been trained to perpetuate the lie as a result of all this programming, conditioning, socialization. And we we all ended up in a state of kind of disconnected consciousness where in the illusion of separation from spirit, we've forgotten to live in harmony with our world, with each other. With our inner best self, and instead of faith in God, um, we put our faith in bricks and say, "This is our security." So these women here today have given up their personal homes, given up jobs with huge telephone numbers, salaries in the city, in personal fitness and training, in medicine. And we're all here living off the land. And we're prepared for anything, whether it's a financial crisis or a freak weather crisis. But these women had to go through immense breakdown to breakthrough work um, to find out where they'd been wounded, heal the wounds, forgive, let go,
1: is this a sort of um, modern suffragette movement? You know?
2: No, it's not. <laughs> and it does include men as well. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, and it's, it's not even about sexuality. It's about men and women balancing their own inner male and female to become almost androgynous and to let go of all the programming and, you know, role modeling of, oh, if you're a man, you must do this. If you're a woman, you must do that. So it's, you know, four of us are doing it here at a deep, intimate level. So why not 4 billion or 6.6 billion one of these days? I, I'm an optimist. I really am.
1: How are you, how, how do you fit in with the local community? How, how are you presenting this? And, and is this something that is short to take off in a much bigger way? This self sustainability that you're talking about, it could be that we're economically and socially forced down this road anyway. So, it may, you may be setting up a paradigm, as it were. Yeah,
2: to be honest, there are lots of people who have gotten very sick from eating supermarket and restaurant food, and they want to know that they're eating something that they know what it's been fed, um, that it hasn't been pumped full of antibiotics. Um, or human growth hormone, or other chemicals. So people are just being led this way by natural circumstances. Um, So we don't look weird and wonderful here, actually, at all. Um, From a healing aspect, that we can perform miracles, I think we perhaps stand out like a sore thumb. Um, But then again more and more people through having to deal with their own disease and the lack of answers from allopathic medicine, are um, also turning to alternative methods of, of healing and well-being.
1: Can I, can I ask you there, you talk about miracles, um, h- how, how can miracles actually be realized in the human heart. I mean, how do you, how do you approach that through, through transformation um, from, from being in this world to being in the sort of world that you're, you're talking about there?
2: Well, a miracle is really just a right brain technology. Most people live only in their left brain. When you start to balance your energy field using some kind of pranic healing modality... You begin to balance and bring into harmony both hemispheres of the brain, the masculine and the feminine. And it's the feminine part of the brain, the right brain, which uh, governs the faculties of imagination and higher creativity. And when, as a shaman, you learn to plug into uh, universal life force energies and earth energies, Um, and align your will to higher will, separate from detachment to outcomes, and use the shamanic trainings, or or the Reiki training, or the pranic healing training, to manipulate energy, you can actually create an entirely different reality.
1: It sounds to me as if you're also defining the need to um, eliminate codependency.
2: Oh, absolutely um that's the biggest form of addiction on this planet today and movies like jerry maguire at the end where he says you complete me are perpetuating the lie of codependency we need to have real relationships sacred alchemical relationship where two people who are complete who've done the alchemical work to transform themselves from you know, the lead of personality into spiritual gold, that then they meet and share. So, unfortunately, in codependency, you're normally looking for someone to give you something that you feel is lacking in yourself. So in a way, it stunts your growth. This aspect of self, um, you're still lacking it. And... Codependency is, oh, my God, it's it's the largest addiction on this planet. I know when I got into rehab and I started to look at my own 12-step um, work, I thought eh, my mother should do this, my friend should do this, my boss should do this. In fact, everyone should work a 12-step program and realize where they give their power away not just to things and jobs and status symbols, but to people. And when you learn to plug all the energy-stealing patterns, the control dramas that people run to get your energy through interrogation, intimidation, through acting aloof, through acting the victim, the amount of power that comes back into your field is incredible And that's the power we all need to change ourselves and change our world.
1: We clearly then... Uh, family. If we look at family life, it seems that family life was rather degraded after the war. By the time you went through the 50s and 60s, uh, especially through the 60s, uh, family life is now beginning to break down. You're into the 70s and 80s, and it's quite obvious that the family is no longer sitting around the table. Um, we're, we're no longer eating with each other. We're not talking. We're not discussing. Um, is that something that you are talking to as well here in in a in a rebirth situation where we do need to return to those ways of life?
2: Yeah, it is, and you know, okay. most often it's not our biological families that we return to. What what happens is as you begin to work on yourself psychologically and spiritually, synchronicity then leads you to find what I call spiritual family, perhaps souls that you've recognized from some other lifetime. And it's... I have to say that the relationship I have with the core team here, the four of us, is stronger than any blood family tie that I've ever had. And the people, the satellite people that come and visit from all over the world and dip in for a week, a month, or six months at a time, all soon feel this really strong bonding and sense of oneness because everyone is learning here to put the other first. And it's extraordinary when you come from that space of really considering and caring for the other and for the whole rather than what's in it for me. So everyone gets up here in the family spirit supporting each other thinking right what can i give to make this world a better place
1: well you're quoting of course scripture uh, in so many ways from genesis yeah Um, but it's going to take an awful lot of will for people to, to change their ideas to start thinking this way but we can be hopeful and we can hope that they will come around to this and i suspect that uh, it won't be a question of choice. I think they will have to. You have, uh, over the years, um, been involved in a lot of writing. I know that it is it's this super book that we're going to look at uh, in our next, next program together. Uh, w- what is it that uh, took you into writing, uh, Susie? W- w- where did that come from?
2: Within a week of dying in South Africa and being reborn, I met a very famous prophet and visionary there and he said, you'll write a book, you'll be on TV, you'll be out helping people, you've got a great healing gift. And basically, everything he said came true. And the book was last. And he did say there'd be a delay before you get the book written. And the delay really was that as i was guided from teacher to teacher tradition to tradition and not all paths had all the power all the love all the wisdom all the truth all the faith so i synchronized teachings into one path of power and from from that point of power i then worked on other people for a further 12 years to see if what worked for me to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, would actually work broad spectrum. And when it did, the book was born, and I wrote it in six months. Somebody contacted me, they'd read my website, and they said, there's a book here. I got a book publishing deal, you know, knocked on my door, and within six months of the book being published, it won an award number two best personal spiritual development book of the year so and that's what happens when you're in the Tao it's when you can ride these this stream of synchronicities and I'm convinced you do that by no attachment to what's in this for me how will I pay my mortgage um How much money will I get from this book deal? It's just doing what is your passion, being in your bliss. And I think it was Van Morrison said, if you do what you love, then the blessings from above will pour onto you. Yes. And that literally is what's happened to me.
1: In the final couple of minutes of the program, uh, because I think that we have uh, illustrated to our listener well um, w- where you have come from, Susie, w- the the world that you entered into and then departed from, um, you're now back in beautiful England. You're in this beautiful house, and you have this self-sustained environment with, with, with friends. You have uh, behind you publications you've been on television you've been on speaking tours what are your feelings now when you get to the end of the day and what i hope to see very soon in this beautiful garden that you have and and what do you feel how do you feel now
2: how do i feel you know what i feel gratitude i really do <laughs> i i literally do go out into the garden i look at the mendips because we're kind of held in a horseshoe cluster of hills i look at the blossoms and i'm just really really grateful for everything and the good times the bad and the ugly and even though all of our futures are really uncertain in terms of climate change economic crisis political chaos social upheaval whatever is going on in the world today Um, And I'm sure we don't fully comprehend that. But I'm grateful for it all because the chaos is just mirroring to us where each one of us has lived out of alignment with spirit and in harmony with spiritual laws, where we've all fallen to greed, to fear, to competing, judging, attacking, dominating. And... The only way we can change our world is from changing that inside ourselves. And one by one, this is, I believe, what we will do with what we are doing. And I look around and I see the peace and the serenity here. And I know that this little bit of heaven on earth is spreading. And I just feel deeply grateful
1: and i know that uh, now you are looking at uh, this concept of heroes uh, which we'll be covering uh, in future programs um i'm sure that you're you're looking at uh, future books uh and i'm sure that you're possibly even looking at traveling again one day um what is it now that is going to take you to the next step um, obviously, you have an amazing gift uh, for transforming people, for healing people. And, uh, you, you know, here I am, a terribly stoic uh, Englishman, and, and at the best of times, I can be cynical, although that's beginning to disappear out of my character. Um, it is really, I believe, going to be people like yourselves who are going to change people one by one, and then that's going to magnify uh, and it's going to become groups that change one by one and then societies that change, you know, very quickly after that. Because we, uh, would you agree we really can't look forward to governments or heads of industry or or any of these mechanisms to really change us? We have to do it from within, and, and I suspect that you have great ambitions now to to be able to be part of that, to lead that.
2: Definitely. I was lucky enough to meet Al Gore recently and spend 30 minutes in private chat with him. And he said, we need another hero generation. And what came out of that was that we both understood the importance of getting people to Realise that history is presenting us with a powerful and unique choice point now. In ignorance, in separation from spirit, we really did create a culture of distraction, which we've talked about at great length. And we haven't been able to see the global writing on the wall. We really do have a planetary emergency on our hands in terms of climate crisis. And we have to find a way to create, in everyone alive today, a sense of generational mission. And I'm spending my time now connecting with people who are heroes, who have people who've constantly demonstrated a feeling for beauty, the courage to take risks, the discipline to tell the truth, to make sacrifices. And without... Any exception, in all cases, these virtues made these people vulnerable. They were wounded. They felt immense pain. But like true heroes, they never gave up. And they have never been destroyed. And it's about inspiring people the way George Lucas did with Star Wars. Yes, Yes. And remembering that the real star, the hero in Star Wars is not Luke Skywalker. It's Darth Vader the greatest ever Jedi warrior who could outperform everyone who fell to the dark side and experienced all the temptations and then turned his back on it and moved back into the light. That's wholeness. We all need to become whole and we all need to remember that we are heroes.
1: Dr. Susie Anthony, uh, that has been uh, an amazing way to complete this first uh, program in our series. Um, It's been an enormous pleasure to start this uh, with such a profound um, overview of your life. I hope that you've uh, enjoyed it. Really
2: have. It's been, um, yeah, it's been inspirational to to talk to someone who asks such wise questions. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Well, I will look forward uh, next month to our next program, Um, and uh, I will uh, leave you um, in your beautiful English countryside, and I hope that uh, one of these days very soon that I'll be able to, uh, to visit you there
2: me too thank you for all the great work you're doing I love the show thank you really really brilliant
1: and to our listeners today I hope that you as well as uh, enjoyed this program as much as as I have you can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org meanwhile wherever you are in this world that's all we have for you today good morning good afternoon and good evening (music)
3: tune into inner speak soul adventures talk radio show every tuesday evening at 5 p.m pacific time 8 eastern and learn how to let go of your past and create the reality you desire and deserve allowing your inner communication to take place more easily without the interference of our noisy mind chatter or your ego inner speak soul adventures with gene adrian right here on the seventh wave network As a new era approaches December 2012, evolution invites you to expand awareness now to become the magnificent creator you forgot you are. Explore beyond current sensory perceptions with host Doreen Agostino to align body, mind, spirit, and unleash inner wealth. Discover and apply universal success principles to consciously and deliberately create your life. To align with inner truth, shine light of new thought, and joyfully prosper. Tune in Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Annie Armin.
0: Teens, you have got to tune into this show and listen to your fellow teens. If you're out there confused because somebody is trying to put doubts in you, making you think that you can't do what you want to do, get it straight. You can, you will, and you will get it done no matter what. And don't ever give up because you're not alone.
3: Don't miss Annie Arman live on Voice America, Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the US. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly 1 child every 20 minutes. Autism One: A Conversation of Hope, brought to you by Endemica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there's more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Autism. Autism is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcasts each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Joe Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat show with Dr. Bacilli, radio to thrive by. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific here on Voice America.
0: It'd be a crime not to listen. Listen for the American Advisor with Joe Battaglia twice every week. This is a live call-in talk show where Joe discusses the economic and political events that affect your investments. Joe's macro market calls have helped thousands of investors pave their way to a more secure financial future. As a bonus, everyone who calls into the program will receive a 1964 Silver Kennedy half-dollar coin that's been graded uncirculated. The American Advisor is heard every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel, and every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel.